0: James. Hey Duncan. How are you dude? I'm going all right. How are you mate? I'm all right. Um, for some reason, COVID life or ISO, um, I'm actually sort of <laughs> busier. If that, even though you're allowed to do less, I kind of have less time. I don't know about you, <laughs> um, but like that somehow not having to commute to work or whatever means that you kind of don't have this space or downtime. There's natural downtime built in. Like if I want a little break, I'll just walk to the kitchen at work and I'll just talk to someone who's in, who was in there for like 30 seconds. It's a really nice little mental break. You say hello to somebody. I actually am working in my kitchen. It's called the living room and it's not a separate kitchen. And there's nobody in here. I live by myself. Um, it's quite. So it's a bit lonely, honestly. Um, maybe that's what ISO is by definition, lonely. <laughs> um, but, but, but somehow I'm, I'm basically... Busier, and I suppose my definition of busy is less downtime because there's no natural downtime. Like commute, go to the kitchen, <laughs> talk to someone. There's nobody in my apartment to talk to. Uh, so yeah,
1: I completely agree. Yeah, <laughs> I, I literally thought the same thing. Like once um, it was mandated, or once it was known that we were going to be working from home, yeah. I was like, sweet. Like I, I could spend up, t- I could be spending anywhere between two to three hours on the bus commuting every single yeah. day yeah and i thought like that's an extra three hours a day i'm going to get back that i could do yeah. anything with and it just evaporates <laughs> <laughs> and I, <laughs> it's just like where does it go like it's, i mean i can, you can break it down like getting up earlier and being out the door by seven so i can be in the office before nine but yeah. uh, you, you just it the, the the space fills itself up organically and you just have no idea like um to your point like having these little micro opportunities yeah. to like go for a quick walk to the kitchen or go outside for yeah. a coffee or any of these number of things even just like uh passing by someone for a quick interaction yeah. um creates the space and yeah. so that's just something that uh you, un- unless you have <laughs> children in the <in, laughs> a new podcast guest <laughs> The opportunity has to. Pre- it seems like the opportunity has to present itself; otherwise, it it doesn't emerge. Yeah. So maybe busy to me is percentage
0: of on versus downtime. If there's just two types of time, there's like doing versus not doing or relaxing, right? <laughs> um, and there's only twenty four hours in a day, right? So it's not like the ISO hasn't changed the number of hours in a day or COVID, but the percentage of those hours that I'm doing is actually higher because. Mm. Going to work and having colleagues around, like if there's no, if there's colleagues around, you end up talking to them a bit, right? Yeah. If, then when they're not in here, you have to talk on Slack or Zoom. Um, you just do it way less. And the commute um, is more downtime, if that makes sense. And so there's these natural stabilizers, which I was subconsciously not aware of. You know, I didn't make time for them. They just were, if you want to call it inbuilt friction, but not friction, it's actually inbuilt relaxing time, space. It's a feature, mm. not a bug. And so when I first was like working from home, oh yeah, all this time I get back. And I'm like, actually, that was valuable time. It wasn't yeah. a bug that I commuted. It wasn't a bug to go to the kitchen. It was a feature. Yeah. I would say it's inbuilt disruption, right? So like you have... But it's inbuilt relaxation. It, it, I think it's the, the wrong word.
1: It's like positive thing, not just... Disru- yeah, mm, anyways.
0: Mm.
1: Well, I mean, like we could, we could talk about this for the next hour if we wanted to, really. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, it's funny. Like maybe this wasn't the point. So, Class Strings is a podcast, but James and I talk about a topic, and today, not the topic we're meant to be talking about. <laughs> um, but I think it's funny. Um, it used to be that you, the only way you could, to, you know, communicate with someone is in person, and then phones came along, so you could do voice, you know, and then SMS comes along, so you can send a text message, uh, and then you get group chat and emoji and you know whatever Snapchat, etc. Uh, and so, to me, there's all these different verticals, uh, and now I love like just like a thumbs up. Someone sends you something. Great. You know, you don't, you don't want to talk to them. You don't want to see them in person. Um, but for me...
1: I have, I, sorry, even, I have to just um, add to this portion. Mm-hmm. Like I've found that no matter what the tone of your email is, if you end it with a smiley emoji, you completely yep. dissipate any tension in that email.
0: It's- <laughs> totally. Um, well, the point to me was that there's all these different mediums. Um, sometimes the optimum is an email. Sometimes the optimum is a text message. Sometimes the mm. optimum is a phone call. Um, mm. but I found that the in-person stuff is probably the most important. It's just like saying, would you never want to see your mum in person again? And would you only be comfortable doing video calls or text messages? Like no, but you don't want to not do a text message either. And so to me, not being able to see people in person has materially removed a certain type of interaction. Mm. Uh, mm. not just if you're in a meeting talking, but actually just being in there around them and this sort of natural mixing of, of stuff um yep. and so to me it's actually making it much harder to to be friendly with people because this is kind <laughs> of like inbuilt no, doubt so i say friendships are from doing nothing together not something together mm. and so even if you go to a meeting and then you just walk back from the meeting and you talk to someone for two minutes that's really important because you learn a bit about them and you know more or you see someone in the office and you know that they like that thing and then you go up to them and say hey i saw this thing whereas you think you, you saw the article but you don't go on and have a two minute zoom call hey mate you know um and so all this natural doing nothing time which allows you to get to know people and be friendly has really evaporated yeah yeah
1: and i I think a lot a part of this comes from a tendency to be quite binary in our our assessment of um you know contemporary events like i i can't tell you the number of times i've read about like does this mean the end of the office like people can now just work from home like full time Mm -hmm. and i'm just like Okay, so it didn't turn out as bad as we thought working remotely, <laughs> but I don't think that the answer is to do a full 180 and just say, well, there's no need for office anymore because like all the reasons that you just laid out and more, it's like there's all of these things that we're missing by having this opportunity to work in close proximity to each other. So I'm not saying that, no, everything's just going to go back to normal and we'll just go back to the office and um, like be all hum diggy, but uh, it's, it's somewhere in the middle. And I don't know if it's, um, it's helpful for people to just be able to was for people to just come out and say like, we can just remote work 24 seven now and never have to mm. see each other again. Because then what happened is all the things that you miss that you don't realize.
0: Mm. Well, I think if, if you take like your family relationships as an example, um, they're materially different than what it was when I was living at home with my parents, right? Um, mm. But I've still got a relationship with my parents. Um, and there's a group, know, family WhatsApp group, love it. Even Dad likes it. It took him quite a while to get into it, <laughs> but now, now he understands it and he'll post little things. But initially, he was like, "Why is this spam? Why am I getting spammed?" Um, <laughs> and, and, but what I'm trying to sort of get to is my relationships let's not say, my family—a layering of in-person, group WhatsApp, sometimes mm-hmm. having a phone call with my mum individually, sending mum an article, you know, having a text message, etc. And so it's all this multi-channel stuff, right? Yeah, but there's no way I would want to have a 100% remote relationship with my mum for the rest of my life. Yeah, it's just a thing. And so to me, I think work is a little similar. Now, I'm not saying work is exactly the same as relationships, but it's multi channel, if you want to call it that, right? It's yeah. email, it's slack, it's video conferences, sometimes it's in person. But also, you know, catch it with It's not just 100% of the time. Now, what have you been up to in your life, which is, you know, it's also just talking about nothing, if that makes sense, where yeah. you kind of learn a bit or some sort of current affair or something. And That talking about nothing stuff, I find, mainly happens in person. You know, um, it's much less by text message or something. So each medium has a different kind of optimal thing that you Mm. talk about. uh, Mm. And you can't just transfer the in-person stuff entirely to text message. It just
1: doesn't work. Yeah. So I think you said something interesting before. Um, Friendship comes from doing nothing together, not something together. Yeah. And so what I think uh, you're touching on here is that it seems to me that we need to create a space or a vacuum for to that gives them the opportunity for us to fill it with um, connection like yeah. and so that's something that speaks to me in terms of like why working in isolation doesn't mean that we no longer interact with these other people, but it removes all possibility of there being an empty space between you and some other person, right? You're only meeting someone when you're on a Zoom for a meeting with an agenda to cover a particular topic. But as soon as the meeting ends, you hang up and you're by yourself again. You don't walk out the room and you're surrounded by other people where there are now countless opportunities for empty spaces to be filled with a simple interaction. So yeah. I think that's, that's really interesting. Like what's happening is it would seem isolation is changing the dynamic of our relationship from these moments where we can have an opportunity to fill the space um, between two people or more to yep. completely, um, not, not contrived in the sense that it's, um, manufactured, but contrived in the sense that like we only have interactions when we intend there to be one. Mm. And so uh, it, it's, yeah. T- totally.
0: So, um, just give you one example. I used to work at Google um, in twenty God knows eleven and twenty twelve, <laughs> um, <laughs> a long time ago. Uh, and so back then, the, the internet and Google, you know, paid for very good internet. So there was lots of video conferencing, et cetera. And so I would say that it's as good as it is now. There's no lag, high, you know, definition sharing of screens, etc. So that, I think that they were paying for very expensive stuff at the time, and they had offices all over the place, and they did um, a thing called defrag, basically because they had or just like hire as many good people as possibly can. And so they'd have some places where there's like three engineers in like some office, right? Or something. And Defrag was basically, it's not working. And I'm I'm mostly like, we need to make sure that we get them in the right place. Like having two people here that never see each other and working on a project and then the other part of their team, 20 people in a different place or whatever, was really slowing things down. So Defrag was basically... Trying to get all of the parts of that project together in the same place, just like you defrag a, a hard drive, right? Defragmentation. Yep. Um, and that was a company which had, you know, no. It wasn't a reason for doing it for cost, right? They, they were wildly profitable, you know. It was it was productivity and enjoyment of work. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And so yeah. they tried this totally uh, hire anybody, good anybody, where it doesn't matter if you, half of your t- you know t- your team is in ten places all over the world, and they're like, this is not working well. Uh, we've tried it, let's defrag and get as many people in the same place as possible. Now, they might have changed their mind on that again, but there was a big drive. And I thought it was really interesting and there was a lot of real happiness from people at Google. They're like, yeah, I'm a good engineer, but I work by myself in an office and I really don't enjoy it as much. I thought it'd be great. you know? <laughs> But now it's like, it's crap. So I'm sure some people didn't like it, but all else equal, it was
1: received really warmly. Well, trust Google to deploy a computer terminology in order to help, engineers better understand the need for human interaction. It's
0: <laughs> good. I like it. um,
1: I did hear, I did read um, some time ago that this was what Google used is snack stands for. Like, it was strategically placed, all of their kiosks or their little snack stands at the intersection between um, areas of the office where people who don't normally interact with each other would interact. So, like, at the, 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 like I don't know how the, the rooms are set up, but, like, you know, you've got one squad or you've got one department in one area. And then in between that and the next, um, next door, they would then set up the kiosk, the, the ping pong table, the kitchen, whatever you have you because that then like forces <laughs> or just like creates this, um, this opportunity for people to react, interact with others that they would not otherwise have had an opportunity to do so. So like, you know, again, food, great example, of bringing people together.
0: Yeah. Well, I think, um, this is one of the things I say, um, you don't need to be, to be best friends with your coworkers, but it's much better to be friendly. Um, and mm. so the analogy I have is that there's the engine with the gears in it working and the oil and if there's no oil it overheats and it blows up, right? The oil is the friendliness. So mm. I used to when I started my first job, I really wanted to do a good job. So there was like, I, that meant no wasting time. So I was like, I want to work as hard as possible. And so I'm not going to be talking to people about not work. That's slacking off, right? It's what I thought. Um, this is. I, was trying, I remember that to, Duncan. And I was just. I was just trying to do a good job, but I. I didn't realize that talking to people, small talk, getting to know them to become friendly, is actually the oil in the engine, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then everything works much, much, much better if you know people and you take a bit of time and it sort of goes along. And so the doing nothing time, i.e., small talk, getting to know people, as opposed to working on a project where the gears are going, is crucial. Uh, and so. To me, um, yeah, I I now don't think of it as slacking off. I think of it as essential. It's like there are two Mm. components. You need the gears Mm. working well, but you also need the oil in the engine. And if you don't know people that aren't friendly, then that doesn't happen. And so to me, this natural doing nothing time, bumping to someone in the kitchen, walking back from a meeting and talking to them, knowing that they like something and going over to their desk, going to be able to have, like, so we'd have monthly drinks, uh, you know, and just talking to people, which is easy. Whereas a Zoom call is so like stilted to mm, me, yeah it's, yeah, it's missing. So there's so much doing nothing time that's gone, or in fact, it's almost all gone. Uh, naturally, you have to try to artificially make it, mm. and it's re- artificial and really, I found doesn't work. Like it's really forced and staged and, and and not valuable.
1: Yeah, like this, this to me is one of the like examples of um you know like our, our proclivity to categorize things um. Mm not helping in any given situation. like mm. So, you know, by definition, categorization, it, it reduces something down to a simplest element. And so mm. I can imagine in this instance, you thought to yourself, like, okay, being a good worker means one thing, and that's working hard. Mm. And, you know, to, to no one else's fault, that was what you then decided to, um, I guess, apply yourself to. Mm. And I'm pretty sure that <laughs> uh, being who you are, Duncan, you went that to, uh, you know, the, the, the hundredth percentile, in execution. <laughs> but nothing is ever that simple. Uh, every, like When it comes to people, anyway, we're very, very complex. And so, like, what I've... Like, for me, what I've witnessed is this evolving Duncan who has just been kind of, like, moving away from the reductionist mindset and bringing things back into the fold. Like, I used to think of... I used to remember you talk about, like, it was just all input, 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 input. Or, like... Um, Uh, you know, what, what, what am I doing to just maximize the content or output? I think I used to say, not um, input, output. And now you're thinking more about like, well, downtime is actually a feature, not a bug. right? (laughs) Uh, And so it's just layering these things on top of it from, from the earlier days. So yeah, it's like, it's, it's an, it's an amazing thing to watch unfold. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I've had the same overall goal, which is to do a good job. And as part of a company to help the company, you know, hopefully improve the world and, and do uh, succeed at that. It's just that my strategies around that goal have shifted. Mm. Um, so in the past, doing nothing time, as you know, as in small talk, getting to know people, I thought I didn't see it as a purpose. So they say for machines, downtime is a bug. For humans, it's a feature. And I think the same thing at work this downtime or doing nothing time, i.e. just small talk in the kitchen. So if I need a break, I'm like, I'm working on some project and it's just all a bit, uh, then I'm at work. I'll just go to the kitchen and I'll go get like a cup of hot water. Um, And and then whoever's in the kitchen, because there's almost always somebody in there. I just like, Hey, how you going? Like, what's your day? You know, and you talk for like 30 seconds and it's really nice. You get to know them a bit and whatever else it is. And it's a nice little brain break. And then I go back to my computer two minutes later And I'm like, all right, back on with this thing. Um, And so I didn't realize that there was such a purpose to it. (laughs) Uh, And so, yeah, again, my analogy is like the gears and the oil. And the oil in the engine is slowly sort of seeping out. So to me, friendships naturally waste, if that makes sense. Like if you don't maintain them, you might've been best friends five years ago. If you've never spoken to someone in five years, you're not best friends anymore, right? And so to me, to get the engine to function well requires making sure there's oil in there, which requires downtime, mm. if you want to call it, or small talk, mm. and consistently doing it. Don't take an interest yeah. in one person once and then like, job done, we're friendly now. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it needs to be in, in ongoing, yeah.
1: <laughs> I can imagine you coming in and it's like, hi, Janet, how was your day? No, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, it's like,
0: I have created the friendliness box tick. I am good coworker. <laughs> 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 oh, God.
1: No, I, I I definitely think, like, so this, this, this idea of, you know, an organisation is a collective of human beings driven towards a single goal. Mm-hmm. And if we try to unpack what does a long-term sustainable model look like, mm. um, I think it's focusing more on the people working together bit rather than mm. driving towards a similar goal. And, I, and I've, you know, for one, can speak to losing sight of this human element and just thinking about like drive towards goal, like outcome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and that can work in the short term, but it's something that when you think about, well, how did this actually play itself out over the long run? If we do anything that, you know, is to the detriment of the relationship that we're building within the organization, then that might not have an apparent impact, um, today or even within six months from now. But, uh, you know, and, and I think that's why culture is such a hard thing to, to manage well. It's generally because this is something that lends itself out over a long period of time. And like, um, you know, Jeff Hunter from uh, <laughs> from the topic we're going to talk about today talks about how humans are very, very bad at um, being able to properly ascertain consequences when there's a long time between um, action and consequence right Mm. so like climate change one example culture i think is another one so here we're seeing the same thing play out like if we think about what's going to have tangible outputs or outcomes now well that's you know driving towards a particular result as opposed to tangible outcomes over a long period of time which is nurturing you know long-standing good relationships of work um you can understand why we would prioritize one over the other
0: I think if you just take... Maybe we should do this from a company perspective and and, and a non-company perspective like James and myself. So um, James and I have been friends for a long time. And when we were like 20 or whatever at university, it mainly was just doing nothing time. Uh, we just catch up, you know, talk, whatever, go, go to the pub, <laughs> talk to friends, right? Um, and as we've sort of gotten older, I was very conscious about starting to shift this. And so that's where this podcast came from. Some of our chats... I just unstructured, how are you going? What's, what's happening? And some of them are, so our friendship is what I would say now, delicious and nutritious. Um, and this is the sort of um, nutritious part, but it's also delicious, like talking about a topic. Um, but then there's also just, just delicious or doing nothing time, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, and it's made it really, really valuable. But as an example, James lives in Sydney, I live in Melbourne, so not in the same city. When I was in Sydney, whatever, uh, earlier this year, um, we just went and had dinner. And, you know, there was no recording a podcast <laughs> and <laughs> and it was really nice. Like, you know, I think we've hopefully got a good friendship. Um, and that amount of laughing or doing nothing, it puts so much relationship capital in the bank that it, it means that you just kind of look forward to speaking to James much more. So to me, if we never did that do nothing time and only did just podcasting time, I, I think our friendship would be materially worse. Uh, And maybe to the point where I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. (laughs) Like, you know, without the ability to do nothing time, um, then it's just a sort of straight transaction. And it's like, I mean, nothing against that, but I want to be friends and I want delicious and nutritious. So there's like Mm. a bunch of different things, as in, you know, uh, different friendship activities. It's not just nutritious. It's not just delicious. It's both to me.
1: Well, it's also layering on another dimension to what we're talking about earlier, as opposed mm-hmm. to like in-person versus like um, digital. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about the nature of the interaction, which is either structured or unstructured. Mm-hmm. Because I, you know, as, as to your point, Duncan, as much as I enjoy these podcasts, I don't think what um, is as apparent to anyone else outside of this this duo is that there's a lot of preparation that goes into them Uh, because we research a topic. We actually try to, um, you know, write down what we want to cover and we, you know, we don't write down our answers. We write down the question, but there's still a lot of thinking that goes into that. Um, and I don't think you can probably think of a normal, like friendship where structured preparation (laughs) is the foundation of people having the sole, um, you know, means of interacting with each other being, um, Necessary, So like this unstructured portion where you just catch up for the sake of enjoying this empty space that you can fill together as, you know, as a friendship, I think is, you know, is, is vital to that, to the lockdowning relationship. So um, how does this translate over into other relationships, I think would also be equally interesting.
0: Yeah, so I think for me, um, I've actually got like in notes on my phone, each of the sort of main people I see in my life, like mum, James, etc., um, and when I see something that I think will interest them, I just put it into that file. So it's just like, oh, whatever. I had a thought or I read an article or something. And then normally before I see someone in person, I just pull up this list and I just read through the most recent things. And so then I've got like a couple of things that I want to talk to them about that I would enjoy talking and I think they'll enjoy talking about. But I don't then have to go and tick it off. And so then i will like, hey, how are you going? Blah, blah, blah. And then what about this? Blah, blah, blah. And then I just let the conversation flow from there. Um, and then if you kind of get to a point where, I don't know, you run out of things to say, I just look at the doc and I go, oh, what about that point? If it makes sense. So there are these like kickoff, uh, whatever you want to call it, delicious, or sorry, nutritious points. But it's not structured. Like at the end of this meeting, we need to come to a conclusion and put forward the next step. Someone write up the meeting notes, you know, which you might have at work, right?
1: there yeah, we should call them hors d'oeuvres.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so I basically moved because I don't know about you but like I definitely had it. it's like oh you, you want to see someone you want to be friends and you catch up with them and you want to have things to say that is not the world's greatest I- interaction uh, so I you know this like the podcast is probably the most structured friendship talking time um, but at the other places it's a super easy hack normally mm-hmm. like I don't know I might see mum once a week or something right uh, but in between then there's probably been five things and I'm like oh mum like that oh, uh, uh. but You know, then you go and speak to Mum and you've forgotten them all. (laughs) Just write a few of them down and then you have the world's best you know, that you never have something you don't want to talk about and it means you really want to catch up ten times more.
1: Yeah, so like I definitely I I prescribe to the notion of like when you find something that you know someone else will find interesting, you wanna make sure you hold on to that so that you can bring it up in the next conversation because it's something you will enjoy. Um, what I wanna try and like I guess um, try and steer on that is it, it, I don't think it will be helpful for it to do out of fear of there being dead air, but more out of um, wanting to maximize the enjoyment of that time you have together, right? Like So it's like, take some point, like when we caught up in person like a month ago, um, you think to yourself, all right, well, it, it, there's only this one, you know, two hour session where we're going to enjoy each other's company, we want to make sure we make the most of it. But like one thing I wasn't thinking was like, oh God, what if we run out of things to say? Like, mm. Because, like, first of all, that, that never happened because we can just talk shit or not. But you, 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 think of it in a different way, which is like, you know, I want to make sure I make the most of this. Like, if, oh, like I just found something that you know Dad would find interesting. I just found something that you know Duncan would find interesting. Like mm. it would be then in my best interest to hold on to that so that we can bring it up in our next conversation. Mm. Um, but what I want to try and offer is that, um like, you know, people talk about all the time, awkward silences, right? So these moments where people stop talking and they feel awkward because they're like, we're not talking. And I think like, we should get more comfortable with that because you don't have to always fill the space with words to enjoy other people's company is what I wanted to say. Mm.
0: Maybe, um, <laughs> so I would say that, I don't know, ideally each interaction is a, is a positive one. So after it, you were energized, not drained, right? And if yeah. that's the case, you look forward to catching up with somebody again in the future. Um, and to me, uh, there's like sort of, they say you can be good friends with 10 people. This is some sort of number. Obviously it could be, you know, 15 or whatever, five or something or 50. Uh, but a rough rule of thumb is that you can know basically what's going on in 10 people's lives at, you know around your life. Um, and to me, that seems about right. Uh, and to so for 10 people, I've got a little doc, right? <laughs> or in notes. Um, and, it's just an amazing hack to be able to have basically something that both parties are going to want to talk about. Each of my friendships is a bit different. You know, not, with mum is different to James, with different to whomever, right? Um, but there's. You're not fooling everyone, Duncan. You've only ground. got two people in your life. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, over, like the Venn diagram between me and mum is different to James and me. And there's some overlap with James and me and, and mum and me, right? Uh, but, and, but they're different. And so it's not that you need to talk about it. It's not that you need to like know, solve something. It's just a possible like conversation starter point. Hey, blah 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 this, and then you just let it go. And sometimes you talk about that for one hour. Like, this is <clears> an <throat> off the point thing, you know, that we're probably going to talk about for one hour. And so, yeah. to me, it's just an amazing. I don't know why I didn't do this in the past. It's just the best hack going around. Yeah.
1: Well, I think like it comes back to the, the the problem with isolation, and I'll at least I'll, I'll talk to the problem that I experienced. and that is. So what you're doing now, Duncan, is this proactive task of um, like whether you're willing yourself or you've habituated it now, but like you, you notice something and then you take the proactive step of recording that in your notes somewhere that it will be brought up later. Mm. I find that is something So like um, you and I, we've read the, um, you know, the happiness hypothesis where you've got the elephant rider and the elephant. And so, my point here is that in isolation, I think one of the main reasons why I feel like I have not gained time, I've actually lost time and I just end up working longer, is that it's hard to proactively block out those times in the day to do something else. Because it's just so tempting and so easy to just go into autopilot mode and just work. Right? That you know, work will always be there. That you can't just be like you can't just be like I have finished work now. It, it is all done for all time. It's just always going to be there. Mm. And so it's harder, for me at least, to say like, well, I'm going to slice out this hour of the day to do something else entirely unrelated to work. I, I don't have to think like that when it's, well, I have to get up early and go, get on the bus, otherwise I'm going to be late for work. Mm. Right? That decision is made for me. And so it's it's, intu- it's not intuitive, it's automatic. But now that I'm in isolation, and I can get up much later in the morning, and I can um, do things to um, otherwise fill the time without even having to think about it. But to you, to what you do, Duncan, now is like you make the conscious decision that when you're like, oh, new weight, but why article is out, I'm going to clip that, put it in my notes, that it's there when I talk about this um, with James next time. As opposed to just being like, oh, that's fascinating. I'll talk about it um, you know, next time I catch up with James. If you just park it in the back of your brain. Chances are you'll forget it. So I think it's just this, this duality of like having control over your own destiny is actually a lot harder than we make things out to be. At least for me, it, um, it is. Yeah, I think this
0: concept... Uh, so first of all, like for machines, downtime is a bug. for humans as a feature. Okay. Well, what is a great team? A great team is more than the sum of its parts. Uh, So, just because you've got great individual gears, you know, you you don't put them together and they somehow all work perfectly, right? You need Mm. to get them to have this kind of, um, what's the emergent level of outcomes by putting the gears together? Um, So, how do you make great teams? And this is something that I think ISO has sort of showed to me. You need to have planned doing nothing time uh, so that people could get to know each other and they can, you know, become friendly. Uh, So, I remember like at Google for my team, you used to do like a quarterly offsite. Um, and half of it would be like, I don't know, strategy um, or whatever. And then half of it would just be, you know, some team building exercise slash unstructured, have dinner and whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and part of this because the team was in South, Asia Pacific. So, you know, I was one of two people in Australia and there was like 25 people on the team and the rest of them didn't in the same country. But I kind of didn't realize the value of doing nothing. Like I knew in, in the past that I became more friendly with these people and then you could just hit them up and be like, hey, what's up? I mean, you know, how, how do you do this thing? Whereas you wouldn't ask before. <laughs> you, know, you, do, you don't know them. It's like, I, I don't feel comfortable asking them this thing for whatever reason, right? <laughs> or having yeah. ideas. And so to me, it's really funny. I think there needs to be structured doing nothing time. So for instance, an offsite for the team where you have to stay over say two nights um, and I'd be comfortable, frankly, that the vast majority of it is doing nothing time. It's not, we're going to sit down and do strategy planning together and that everyone is going to build something and it is a hackathon, you know, or whatever, right? <laughs> Much <laughs> of it is just, look, hey, let's go for a walk. So there's some team building things. And so half of it is like structured doing nothing time and half of it's unstructured doing nothing time. Okay, we're just gonna have dinner and we're gonna play some board games and you can play or not. Is like the core to making a great team,
1: a one core component, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely will um, pick out this when you say structured do-nothing time mm. because unstructured do-nothing time, you can probably be become a uh, slave to your worst in nature and just go back to your room and go go to sleep like somebody I know. W- won't name names. It was me. <laughs> 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 but I was tired. But um, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree that you know, when people think about like these off sites or when they ask, you know, what is the point of having these things where we're just going to go away and, you know, we're, we're away from our desk. We're not doing work. We're losing our precious output time. But it's again, to me, like this seed that you plant to try and get much more leverage over the long term, And that is liking the people you work with a lot more. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think like, kind of like, you know, it's, adding the oil to the engine, right? Okay, so we've been running the engine for however many weeks now, and it's, it's, it's gonna burn out, right? If we don't actually put something in place where we can, um, you know, re-oil and get um, an opportunity to actually know people that we work with on a, on a much more personable level, then I think you, you know, regardless of the hours you put in, you will burn out. Um, because it's nowhere near as enjoyable You know, Mm. even if you're passionate about something, if you're not sharing that with people that you at least enjoy their company with, I think that that's something that would eventually be draining and not um, fulfilling.
0: I've just made a, so um, if you're doing it offsite, (laughs) this is the plan. One third is like strategy. So you sit down and you do like longer term strategy planning. One third is structured do nothing time. So that's like team building. You have a little activity, you know, they get those external consultants in or whatever. And then one third is unstructured do nothing time. E.g. cook dinner, uh, you know, have play games, or whatever. Um, and so that's a kind of nice balance. And what you get out of this is the second order outcomes of a team that's working well together. So for instance, friendliness. So uh, two things that they say that are really important is one, that you need to have a work best friend. If you don't have a work best friend, uh, your like enjoyment at work and productivity is way lower. And two, humor. So if you've done enough doing nothing time to someone you're, and you're friendly, you can kind of joke around and have a laugh. So there's like a level of friendliness which opens up the having a laugh, a portion of a, of a work friendship. Whereas if you don't know one, anyone, you don't, you don't have a joke with them. And if you don't know people, you can't have a work best friend. So two outcomes from doing nothing time is being able to laugh with people, which is crucial, <laughs> I think, not take yourself too seriously and you know being able to have a laugh at yourself and having a work best friend. Without those components to work relationships, And they don't happen because you just do it. They happen because of doing nothing time. So doing nothing time opens up those levels, opens Mm. up humor and opens up possibility of work best friend. You then have much higher work satisfaction and much higher work productivity. So there's a second order unforeseen benefit, if that makes sense. Mm. What you see is first order, we were not doing output, therefore this is bad. you know. But the second (laughs) order is, okay, we've actually had friendships built or friendliness, which allows humor and allows a work best friend, which Mm. improve... Means much more enjoyment, much um, more longevity, productivity, but also the emergent layer of ideas as people are mixing much more. So it's crucial, I think.
1: Mm. Mm. So I think an- another good uh, lens to put on this is when it's done well versus not done well, right? Because like just to, to arbitrarily, tr- um, you know, demand that we add humor and and friendship to the way we work. Doesn't necessarily have always have a positive outcome. So, if I was to use um, an archetype, let's just let's just go with David Brent as where this would just completely Who's fall David apart. Prince? David Brent um, from the Office. So he's just the most like asinine uh, and inept individual. But he's just like I would say he prioritises trying to be funny and friendly in the office um, over actually driving towards a positive and productive outcome. So, so don't tell me you haven't seen The Office. I, I, I hope this is ringing I've a bell for you. A
0: few, like a handful of episodes, sub 10, and I don't know any of the characters' names and I haven't watched anything in I'm <laughs> making at the time 10 years. So no, I don't know The Office properly.
1: Okay, so we've got ha- homework for Duncan then. Uh, in the mm-hmm. meantime, um, what I think is uh, you know a really good um, rubric to put on top of this is you know, I, I think it comes from the five different functions of a team where you actually have multiple ingredients to put together for us to get this opportunity to um, be able to leverage having good time friendships uh, and personal relationships, right? So I think they, they have trust, they have conflict, they have commitment, um, but the, the, the two big ones to me are accountability and results. If we don't have those in the team first, then trying to add in fun, humor and, and, and work best friends kind of stuff, I think almost falls apart. And I don't mean it falls apart in terms of like the, the work dissipates and the organization crumples. I actually think like you can't actually have a work best friend or a work relationship without those things in place first because the reason you're there at work is at the end of the day to drive towards a result. And if you don't have that established or at least that universally understood then the foundation of the, the relationship would eventually collapse. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I really like it this way. Like um, some jobs are in single-player games, like you're a doctor or, or an author or, or something, right? Um, but the vast majority are multiplayer games, like 90-something percent. And so as such, for a multiplayer game, you know, yes, you need individuals that are good, but it's very rare that the individual can win the game, if that makes sense, hmm. <laughs> um, you know, you can't just have LeBron James and everyone else doesn't do anything and, and you win, right? Um, so therefore, perhaps the most important thing is working well as a team. So that the individuals matter, but what matters perhaps more is the interactions between the individuals. Mm. And so as such, forming a great team is perhaps as important as the individuals or more, right? And so how do you form a great team? Well, there's no one way, but I would argue one core component, not the only component, is the relationships between people. That's not about whether someone's the best engineer or someone's the best designer or something. They could be the best engineer and the best designer. If they hate each other, guess what? You're not going to have great outcomes, (laughs) right? (laughs) And I'm not saying that... Maybe that is because, I don't know. Like, I honestly think as you get a little older, you hopefully become a little more mature. Um, And part of maturity is that your edges become less blunt or more, less sharp, blunter, rounder, right? And you become a more user-friendly human. (laughs) And so to me, one of the differences between a grad and someone who's, whatever, been working for 15 years is just how user-friendly they are as a co-worker. There aren't any little, you know, unintended barbs that occur or no one's nose gets out of joint. Anyways, the Mm. moral of the story is great teams need great relationships. Great relationships, part of it is doing nothing together. Thinking about doing nothing is being able to get something. Ha, 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 ha. um, (laughs) Without doing nothing, you can't have something. Uh, and so doing nothing isn't a waste. Doing nothing is essential.
1: I didn't think we would get existential on this uh, particular topic. <laughs> <laughs> doing, doing nothing gets you something. All right. Well, that just explains the big bang. So now we can all go home. Um, no, I, I completely agree. Uh, and what I really like about um, like the five dysfunctions of a team is that it kind of gives you this blueprint for what did that mean to have good relationships Right, so like the first thing you got to have is trust. Like even in friendships, like I don't think a friendship could work if you didn't trust each other. And Mm. so calling that to the surface, I think um, helped you work through where things are going to potentially unravel if you don't address them. Mm. Uh, The the second thing is exactly the same conflict. Now I think you and I are probably the worst example of how conflict is supposed to work in a friendship, because we kind of like (laughs) thrived on it for the entirety of our childhood. But I don't think it's, conflict's the right
0: yeah. way. We were just having fun playing games. So like if you're yeah. playing, a, like, I don't know, a, it was a game like a verbal joust about a, an idea yeah. or a game like a board game. And to me, some people have a negative sum outcome where the other one feels defeated by the other one. Whereas this was a positive sum outcome where we were driving each other to grow and be better. So I yeah. think it's, a, a, in my opinion, an unfair characterization. Well, I, I, I can... Um, it was I, challenging I, and growing each other.
1: Right. I appreciate the sentiment that you feel conflict is a loaded word and it's not... It's um, definitely a loaded word. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, we can have a debate about that. Uh, No, Um, But I think what it's kind of like getting to is not fearing in having a different view to someone else and expressing and sharing that. Right. I think there is a tendency, especially if you're not close friends. And even more so if you're in a room full of people who have higher fire authority over you. To, to want to just like um, um, disseminate or disseminate yourself into the room and just like go with the flow, right? If someone's talking about an issue or an idea and you have something that is not necessarily diametrically opposed to it, but it just doesn't square with that idea, it's very hard, I would posit, for you to feel like I would like to, you know, share my point of view because then you feel like you're going against that other person. And so this is where you and I, we talked about In the past, it's not about, um, I don't know how to say it without saying the word conflict, but it's not a conflict of character, it's a conflict of ideas.
0: So I think conflict is a very loaded, I'd say we are challenging each other's ideas and it helped to have them grow. So I would just remove Mm. the word conflict. There is an open you know, challenging of ideas in an attempt to improve those ideas and to improve each other. So to Mm. me, I would just
1: ditch the word conflict. So I yeah. there's a, it's a really loaded word to me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, um, that, and that's fine. I, I don't have any particular attachment to the word conflict, but I think it's really helpful because, like, maybe another way of looking at it is, like, radical candor and, um, you know, being willing to confront someone directly about your honest, um, you know, assessment of a particular situation or idea, right? If, if Duncan said something in this discussion that, I don't think he has a full picture on or I have another view on. I have no, you know, I I don't have any hesitation to be able to challenge that particular view or at least share where I feel like it's not entirely um, stacking up to that thing. So I think this idea of challenge, which we're going to use now um, is also an essential layer of having not just good working team, but good friendships as well. Totally. Um, Taking the five dysfunctions
0: of a team model, which James brought up, it's a pyramid, and it says that the you know you have basically if you don't at the bottom level is trust. The next level they use this conflict, which I would call challenging uh, people's views. So you, if you don't agree with something and you don't say I don't agree, then you're not necessarily going to get maybe the idea is bad, or you disagree but commit. And if you don't have the comfortableness to bring it up, then you don't disagree and commit. You just disagree and not commit and <laughs> pull in a different direction. Then there's commitment, etc. And so I would say that. The bottom two layers, and I think it's it's a one model. It's not perfect, but it's, it's a solid one. To be able to trust, all models are wrong. Is yeah, is partially built on whether you know them, <laughs> and they literally write "be human," all right, as the key thing to trust, right? So that means <laughs> fail openly, be vulnerable, etc. cetera, right? Uh, care and take interest in others, and that partially is built through having friendliness, which is yeah. uh, one of the core ways of friendliness is doing nothing time, and so to me. Perhaps doing nothing time, like an engine without oil doesn't work. A team without any... So there's like positive relationships to negative relationships, right? So this is called no relationship, positive, negative. Um, A team working well has all positive relationships. Doesn't mean you have to be best friends, but that doesn't happen by itself. Like you Mm. don't somehow like, oh, put two people in a room and they're suddenly friends. Like friendships are built through do nothing time. Mm. And ideally a good team has all relationships in the positive bucket. So maybe we'll do this. There's neutral. I, I don't know this person from Barnes so bar. negative, I think this person has a really bad cam style. Positive, which is like work friendliness, and then really positive called best friends, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and so I think a team um, with no relationships is going to be way worse than a team with all positive and that you need to consciously build that.
1: Mm, mm. I think you forgot um, an additional layer on top of best friend which is BFF Duncan <laughs> rather die uh, uh, B word uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so so what I just what I thought to myself is you can't trust what or who you don't understand and so this to me mm. I think it is the key to friendship right because there, there is someone in front of you that you've just been placed in a um, uh, an contrived environment by which case I mean work who you don't know personally. And so how can you trust someone if you don't know them? And I think this is actually a very good argument for the utility of building friendships within the workplace, because that gives you an opportunity to know more about this other person. Right. I think we are as a human species, you know, being tribal and all that have an inherent distrust for anything that we don't fully understand or comprehend. And given the opportunity to learn more about the other person humanizes them, to the point where you can actually start seeing ways in which you're relatable to each other, and and that to me um, is how, or at least one um, very compelling way that you can actually build the foundation of trust, because I feel like, um, you know, oh god, like there was a, there was a really great study how they said, um, you know, any two people can fall in love, and they did this um, they did this really amazing yeah they did this amazing um, study where they. Found 36 questions that you just got to ask someone. And after you go through these 36 questions with each other, like more often than not, like you don't fall in love and marry and go off in the sunset together, but at least you feel this unwavering sense of like closelessness to this other person. Mm. Right. And so it's just about, well, we just got to create that opportunity. You know, like maybe we're missing your new hire. You got to sit down and ask them the 36 questions and be like, bang, right. We're. But like, that's all there is. that separates us, um, is understanding um, as much as we can about this person's life in order for us to feel like that we can build a foundation on top of that.
0: Yeah, that's a great, uh, study. So there was a New York Times article a couple of years back called, I think it was, I mean, we'll find it, the 32 questions to ask someone, anybody to fall in love. Um, and what it was effectively doing is getting to know each other <laughs> and being vulnerable. So you can, mm. you, you can like do it. Some people are just particularly good at this, um, so as an example, um, now as a sort of rule of thumb, it's like I know that if I'm not too busy, I'll naturally end up, if I'm in the office, just talking to a couple of people a day. Like it was, I've said this sort of thing like two, three, four. And I would sort of note if at the end of the day, I haven't actually just bumped into someone to talk to whatever. It's a signal that I've been super busy. And then, then on my headspace, is probably really dense. Um, and so the other one is like, have you laughed at all? And like if I'm too busy, like laughter's like not, there's no space made for it, but I'm not consciously cutting it out. I'm just like, let's get everything done. Um, and, and so it's really, really interesting. Um, mm. perhaps, so again, uh, if you're working in part of a team, which I would assume is the vast majority of people and that, so there's two, let's say, so if you're like working in a factory and you're doing a repetitive job, like you're just a, effectively, uh, sell in an Excel spreadsheet, you, you crunch your little okay. function, Right. A cognitive Um, machine? Yeah, a cognitive (laughs) (laughs) machine. But if if there's no creativity involved, right, i.e. it's it's repetitive, 100% repetitive, then there may not necessarily be any need to be friendly with your coworkers, right? But the vast majority of jobs are moving to have some creativity involved. uh, And in the future, the machines will do all repetitive stuff, right? As such, you need to problem solve, right? And if you're problem solving, you need to work with others to get the solution to happen. That's why you have a team. You don't do everything yourself. Um, And... Being friendly is crucial to being Mm. problem solving. But also again, if you're a designer and an engineer, right, and there's quite clear lines of who's doing what, you still have some interplay. It's not there's zero overlap with a Venn diagram. There's like twenty percent or ten percent, right? Yeah. So James, you're kind of like a product manager, right? Ha- the better outcomes come when you have a, a better relationship with whatever the engineer, and you have a bit of back and forth as they help find things. Right? I think everyone sort of knows this, and and the the friendship or the, the the worse your relationship, the less likely there's back and forth, and as such, the solution that comes out is lower quality and it's less enjoyable.
1: Hmm. 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 No, I, I I completely agree, and so there's, there's one additional point that I I wanted to 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 like I guess raised with the second layer, which is challenge, we'll say. So let's just say we've, we've established this 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 basis of trust and, you know, ability between, you know, people in a team or at least between people in the workspace. Um, so how do we nurture that? How do we then build on top of that? So the, the, the func- dysfunctions of a team model says, okay, so you've got to be able to openly debate uh, or to use Duncan's word, you've got to be able to openly challenge each other's ideas. Mm. Uh, so I've been coming up with the... Um, like, this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately, which is critical thinking, how people think, not what people think. Because I think, uh, you know, you've been insinuating it uh, this entire discussion, Duncan, like, like, as the machines come online, what people think is going to become more and more redundant and it's we're going to move more towards in terms of how we think. Um, and so the, the the model I've come up with is is this. And so it's just generalization, but um, try not to think of ideas as right or wrong or even helpful, not helpful, but think more of them as incomplete and that every single idea is incomplete and every single worldview is incomplete. And if you move into this particular heuristic, then you can think of it not in terms of, well, it's your idea versus mine and one has to win out is Let's add these two ideas together, and then what we can derive from the knowledge and synthesis that we can create by appreciating these two ideas in, that coexist, we can then create a new worldview. So this is where I would try to say, this can help you challenge other people's ideas, because you're not actually challenging against their idea. You're challenging to say, hey, I think this is a great viewpoint but I think it's incomplete. Let's try and add to it with what I have to offer as well. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I, I take it's differently. I have, this is an oversimplification, two types of ideas. Facts, or fa- I think facts and ideas, right? Fact, there mm. is a right or wrong. Today is Friday. It's not debatable whether it's Thursday or Saturday. Idea, how to spend Friday. You know, fact, coffee costs $4. Idea, how to make a good coffee. And so for ideas, there's never a right or wrong. There's only your constant current, current evolution. So mm. for instance, how do you live a good life? How do you run a country? You know, what's the best immigration policy? What's the best policy for climate change, et cetera. Like, there isn't a, no one, like, there'll be just an update uh, to, to sort of things, right? And yeah. when you have this, so basically, most of people think there is a right or wrong. And that's because of the traditional education system has for better or worse, typically said there is a right or wrong, because you have to give people a grade on an exam. Um, and that's just that it predetermined what's right in that specific circumstance. But it's actually a oversimplification required for teaching people at school that is not a reflection, I think, of how the world actually is. So when you rid yourself of the mindset that there is a right or wrong idea, it's just a constant evolution. Like every single thing you have, an idea yeah. should just be ever-evolving, evolving evolving That's a very different way of looking at things. Hmm. All right, just quickly, I think you said you had to go at 10. So should we wind it up here? Yeah, or? sure. Okay, so I'll do a summary. Um, friendships used to be all doing nothing. Uh and now I have some do uh, something in their time. So with James, it's the podcast, or I'll write the little notes with Mum. But hey, Mum, I like to think about this, right? And so it's gone from a hundred percent unstructured do nothing time to now a little bit of do something time. But it's it's more like conversation starters, not like we must solve this topic and figure out what the next steps are in the project. You know, whereas work <laughs> relationships have gone from do hundred percent do something time to now including some do nothing time, mm. and so it's kind of like works come a little bit like friendships and friendships have come a little bit like work, <laughs> but in a mutually positive some <laughs> way. So for instance, work <laughs> might be whatever 90% do something, 10% do nothing. I'm making up these percentages. Don't hold me to them. And friendships might be 90% do nothing, 10% do something. They're the opposites, but they used to be a hundred and a hundred, uh, you know? And I think that this blend makes friendliness uh, much, much, much higher. <laughs> uh, and as such, enjoyability uh people's willing to care back and forth people's ability to challenge to trust you know all that stuff right yeah and so i think um structurally thinking about doing both uh is or you know doing nothing and doing something (laughs) so basically i've started to structurally think about doing nothing at work Mm. and i started to structurally think about doing something with friends Mm. (laughs) because (laughs) to to balance it up right um has been a win in both parties But some friendships are really different. Like some, we'll call them just like, I don't know, pub friends. Like I really don't talk to them outside of the pub, if that makes sense. Whereas James, I talk about this. But of course, if I'm in the same city as James, which is very infrequently, we don't sit down and record a podcast. We do something else. Do
1: nothing time, if you want to call it, Mm. Uh, which I think is really useful. Oh, beautiful, (laughs) Ducker. One of your better summaries, if I may say so. Um, okay. Okay. So, uh, for me working from home and isolation has been one great big thought experiment. (laughs) (laughs) And really, really get, get it over and done with. I'm sick of it. (laughs) (laughs) Can can the results be in yet?
0: (laughs) yet? (laughs) Uh, I'm in Melbourne. So we're in stage four lockdown called don't see anybody. Um, which is for me, um, draining. Yeah. Um, I'm uh, yeah.
1: I'm in Sydney, and I've been appreciating my long walks along the beach and going for a run outside okay, of my postcode. <laughs> yeah. um, so, one of the <laughs> things that I, I, I find that I've learned about um, this particular phenomena is there is this um, this duality between the opportunity to create empty spaces and your willingness, or at least your ability to create those yourself. So working in an environment where you are around other people or going to school when you are, you know, still a child creates for you the opportunity for empty space that you can fill with um, relationships. Working from home, however, has been a huge challenge to being to be able to do that. And so if I were to look out um, longitudinally, I think this is actually one of the main um Uh, I guess, dangers of working from home over a long period of time. So I think to me what we've, uh, you know, what we covered is like why having these, um, you know, work relationships based not only on like driving towards a common goal but like in terms of fostering positive some relationships is, um, you know, supremely beneficial not just to the organisation but to the individuals. Uh, and so if we look at something like the five dysfunctions of a team, which I think is a helpful model uh, in trying to figure out, well, OK, so how can we look at what is the sustainable way to, you know, building a, you know a, uh, you know, a productive team? You know, having the foundational layer of trust, I think, really is just about learning all you can about the other person, whether you want to ask them the 32 questions so that you can fall in love with them. <laughs> might not be necessary but it's enough for you to know um the other person or people on a personal level so that you can as you said Duncan feel vulnerable um open yourself and actually start to enjoy the people that you work with Mm. the next step is like you know okay so now that we we trust each other let's challenge each other because that's how I think we can propel each other forward is not just having one person share their idea and everyone get around it because that's not the point of having a collection of different ideas or diverse ideas it's about adding them all together to see what can, you know, rise to the top. Yeah. Cool. All
0: right. Well, we didn't talk at all about the topic. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: this was completely, this. So com- com- completely yeah. unprepared.
0: Um, I think what we've found that these podcasts is a really great part of our friendship. So again, I don't only want to talk to James in podcasts, but it's effectively like a do something part of our friendship, right? that has in me for me materially improved our friendship. I also don't want to have a podcast with every friend I have. <laughs> but I really, you know, would hope that James and I continue this podcast for the rest of our lives. Um and it's 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 incredible. Like then we have times where he'll just text me random stuff or whatever or you know, we're in the same city we'll just go have dinner and and there'll be no, you know, structured recording, just talking about whatever. Do, it's do nothing time, right? But I would say to people consider uh, so we just talked on this one topic do nothing we just we've just uh, you know had a discussion around it um it's an incredible possible relationship activity not the only one but one that james and i didn't do until the podcast came along that my life is indelibly richer for that i'm really sad i only figured out when when he started doing this god knows when i was 33 or something um and so i'm like ah and so yeah maybe if you want a new relationship activity with one of your friends, do a podcast. Um, <laughs> it's fun.
1: Well, as part of that, you need to have the discipline to create empty space because most people with friendship rely on that empty space being created for them. So here you actually have to set about putting time in to say, okay, we're going to do this thing together because I find that very hard. Don't, no matter how rewarding you know, recording podcasts are, still having the discipline to block out your time of the week to go through all of the necessary steps um, in order for us to prepare and improve, reflect um, and um, and provide feedback on is it, it requires a lot of, um, you know, <laughs> a lot of effort. And so this is something I find has also been supremely helpful for me because it forces me to create the space where I can do all of these things and not just rely on, you know, all right, I have a busy day where I'm just going to work the, through the whole um, period without having to think about it, right? So this is something else that also helps to strengthen that muscle as well. Cool.
0: All right, James. speechy to dude. Cheers, Duncan. Bye. Bye.